0: Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. We want to start out by saying thank you so much, listeners, for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. We also want to say thank you to our sponsors who provide so much support for us. If you manage to kill that dream whitetail buck or maybe that bull sprig, check out Whitetail Classics Taxidermy, owned by Jody Schultz out of Louisville, Nebraska. Basically can put together whatever you can dream up. So check them out at whitetailclassicstaxidermy.com or his Facebook And if you want to talk to them today or book something, call them at 402-630-0031.
1: Next up is Spores Wet Basement Solutions. Their services include water damage and crack repairs, landscaping, concrete driveways, grading, and more. Their recommendations provide solutions that are a long-term and not temporary fix. They do it right the first time. If you want additional information, you can check out spores.com or contact them at 402-476-8588.
0: If you're like me and like to drive your wife nuts every season with a new duck or goose call, right, baby? Yep. Pretty much. Call, uh, check out B. Hoover Custom Calls. Brent Hoover out of North Pot, Nebraska is one of the best that comes around. He actually uh, got second at Best of Show at NWTF Nationals. Awesome guy. Personal friend of the family. Actually helped my dad harvest his bull elk. He specializes in wood, duck, and goose calls, turkey pots, dog whistles, And shotgun shell teal whistles. Awesome guy. Check him out at com.
1: If your vehicle gets disgusting like my husband does during hunting season, (laughs) check out Dirty Devil Detailing. They do interior and exterior detailing as well as headlight restoration and more. They also are certified in glassparency and take anything from vehicles, boats, jet skis, ATVs, and motorcycles. The devil is truly in the detailing. They're located in Omaha, Nebraska. And if you want additional information, check them out on dirtydevildetailing.com.
0: If you're like me and have taken a few L's here this early season and really
1: wow 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 <laughs> pretty much,
0: <laughs> if you're like me and taking some L's and you really want that perfect hunt with the buddies and just get out there and enjoy what's going on and not have to worry about anything, check out the other guys Outfitters. They do an incredible job of uh, dry field duck and goose hunts. You can check out their pile picks on Facebook. And if you're wanting to book a hunt today, call Krager at three zero eight.
1: If you're needing some professional photography done, check out my business, Faithful Images. Our mission is to faithfully capture images of God's creation in time that will one day serve as a memory. We do anything from infants, couples, families, seniors, weddings, announcements, and more. Check it out at faithfulimages.org or on Instagram and Facebook.
0: If you're ever sitting there during COVID and thought to yourself, I really need to get on that dream hunt. I don't know... (laughs) What what's going to happen in life, but I need to get in that dream hunt. Check out Chaku Peru. He does hunts in the U.S., South America, and Europe. If you've seen some of his pics or videos, if you haven't, jump on his Facebook or Instagram. Has some incredible hunts and does some incredible things. Uh, check him out at ChakuPeru.com for more details.
1: Our last sponsor is Redbeard's Custom Calls. They specialize in acrylic duck and goose calls. Andrew made me one of the a -a one-of-a-kind marble white and hot pink dunk call. It sounds incredible. It looks amazing. If you want more information, check it out on Facebook.
0: All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for the support, and let's go ahead and jump in the podcast. Welcome back to the Big Red Hunters podcast. I uh, just want to start by saying thanks to anybody's listening to this. Uh, we appreciate it and hope you guys like today's episode. Uh, today's episode is going to call be called the Arkansas Meth House Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if anybody we, uh, listened to our podcast last week, Jeremy and I were talking and I said that we're going to Arkansas and uh, well, Arkansas turned out to be a little bit of a nightmare, but uh, Help me kind of tell the story. I brought on Jared. How we doing, Jared? Oh,
2: doing good, man. Doing good.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Jared, I, Dane, and Keith, and uh, old Sarge ended up going to Arkansas and uh, decided that we we're gonna make an old timber run, but uh, didn't quite work out the way we wanted. But uh, before we get on to the story, we also have my co-host Jeremy. How we doing, Jeremy?
3: Hey. You made it back from the south, in uh, one piece, maybe <laughs> not mentally.
0: So, Jared, you called me a while ago about uh, my camera. I yeah. I just finally put a battery in my my body, my uh, <laughs> my camera body, and I was like, Jeremy, uh, like you're gonna you're gonna visually see a kick in the nuts, and the shutter just went nuts. So, I gotta send oh, it in, no. but I think it's toast too. So, oh no. It is what it is, <laughs> but listeners, that's part of the story. We'll get started. I'll let I'll Jared. I'll I'll let you start out on how we got to this spot in Arkansas. I'll let you take it off.
2: All right. Oh, once oh, again, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Before we get going, I don't want to name. I I don't want to name the guide and the the guides and the, the place. I just I don't want to throw out a bunch of flack and you know you. I don't want to talk a bunch of crap i just want to tell a story without names and stuff
2: yep yep that's that is 100 percent fine with me perfect go ahead uh once again guys uh thank you for um signing on the big red hunters podcast uh means a lot to all of us and um so my name is jared schultz so i kind of get started on this uh, uh this story um, so last year we went on a sea duck hunt and Hunter wasn't able to make it and just had a phenomenal time, had a blast. Um, shot a lot of iders, old squall, brant. I mean, it was just a ton of fun. So, you know, I was telling these guys, so I'm originally from Mississippi and, um, I used to guide back home, Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana. And the guy I wanted to go with was one of the guys I used to guide with actually. And, uh, it was all booked up. And, um, so there's an older gentleman in the area. Uh, you know, he's probably pushing 80 years old. And um, everybody in Arkansas that's a god or, I mean, is an avid waterfowler. I don't know about new waterfowlers, but waterfowlers have been around Arkansas for a while know this guy. So, and everybody respects him, thanks the world of him. Um, he's kind of one of the guys that kind of kick-started the timber hunting in Arkansas. That kind of got it... Uh, going, you know, other than like your, your big names like Buck Gardner. And, you know, there's a few other guys there. Um, He was one of the guys that kind of got it started before Buck even did. Um, And so he's a personal friend of ours. And, uh, you know, I was talking to dad and I said, you know, dad, I I really want to get these guys down to Arkansas and do some hunting that I did growing up my whole life, you know, getting in the green timber you know, knee-deep water, standing behind a tree, calling mallard ducks down through the woods. It's just, it's something about it. You know, it, you think waterfowl hunting, you know, prairie potholes and marshes is fun, man. I'm telling you, you get a good hunt in the timber. It's it's hard to get out of you. And uh, so, long story short, um, I called this gentleman, and he highly, highly recommended us to go with the outfit that we went with. Um, now, what he did not tell me was it had been a while since he'd been there and it had changed hands. So there was a little bit of a lack in communication there. He just told me he highly recommended us to go. Um, so called Hunter, called all the other guys, um, and had this put together since last summer in July. And, uh, you know, kept up, you know, talked to the guys, you know, once every, I would say, two weeks. Um one of them's, you know, ex-military, very similar to me. And long story short, we were kind of in the same places over in the theater, um, fighting the same guys at the same time. So, but, uh, so we get ready to go on the trip. Um, we get down there, what, 11 hour drive, Hunter? Yeah, about 11 hours. All right. Yeah, we get down there. And so we're supposed to stay at the lodge and, um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, we pull up to the coordinates that the guy gave us, and it's sketch, man. I'm not even going to lie to you. (laughs) It was like, are are we going to a haunted house, man? Like, what's what's going on here? Uh, So, basically, it was like a two-bed, one-bath, old, old ranch house um, that I don't think has been cleaned three years, Hunter?
0: Oh, dude, if it got cleaned three years ago, that's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I doubt Yeah.
2: That. So, so, Yeah, so, I mean, you can get the picture in your head, guys and girls. I mean, this place was raunchy, okay? Uh, I mean, the smell when you open the door to walk in there is just like, whoa. Um. So go, to, so
0: go to find out later on he was talking about the family who used to own the house and talked about a couple of the family members and, like, they definitely did meth. Like, either there was meth there or <laughs> there was meth that was created there. Either way, there was meth in the meth house, for sure.
2: Oh, they were mepping around. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, uh, and thank goodness we didn't have to stay there, you know, and, and the guy was like, well, I'm going to call the hotel in town, and, you know, so, and, and it was like we all kind of looked at each other like, oh, my gosh, thank gosh we're going to be in a hotel, man, because <laughs> – I don't know. We might need a tetanus shot after this trip. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So we get to the hotel, get all checked in. And, uh, you know, we would already done the research as far as ourselves to learn what the shooting time and, you know, and all that was. And we brought the cold with us. Uh, usually in Arkansas, you know, you'll see high 20s. Um, you know, and, and if there is ice, which is very r- seldom. Yeah, if there is ice, it's not thick, you know, it's, you can go out there and bust it up pretty easy and, you know, put your deeks out and have a hunt. But so the god tells us, you know, to meet us there the next morning. Um, so we get there and I kind of walk in and everybody's out around the trucks and I kind of walk in there and it's just like, well, you know, Hey buddy, the sun's coming up you can see it. It's right there. And I know you were saying we got to get in a boat and, I mean you're the guide. I'm not trying to rush you, but <laughs> shooting times in ten minutes, buddy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh so we finally get in the boat and we get out there, well they didn't scout. Um and you know, you may have other outfitters and guides that um tune into the Big Red Hunters podcast and um and I recommend it, you know, I highly recommend it. Very educational and you learn a lot of stuff too, but guides that are successful. And guys that actually care about what they're doing, you know, like back when I guided, I mean, we never did evening hunts. We would do morning duck hunts and then the evenings were scouting for the next day. I don't think these guys do scout. No, um, no not at all. And, you know, Hunter will tell you they, they've got permanent blinds. Now, the blinds are really nice. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they're basically wood built blinds, um, either on a ditch row or in a tree. I mean, they're really nice blinds, you know, but the guys just put a big permanent spread out and leave it. Well, that morning, the first morning when we pulled up, um, everything was froze. Like all the decoys were frozen and everything. So the you got you know, drops us off at the, at the levee right there by the, by the blind and we get up in there in the blind and get the heater going and all that. And he's out there ripping on the boat, trying to rip all this ice up. And, you know, Those birds going over us, and I'm like, oh man, you know. But what it was about 20 minutes? who did that.
0: Oh, he yeah, he messed around for 15 20 minutes and finally, at that point, finally decided that oh yeah, maybe we can't actually get this ice bust up, busted up because every time he'd go by an area, it'd end up getting reef rows. Which, I mean, if we're in Nebraska and we have that happen like you think it's going to be a great day and a great hunt because mm-hmm. those birds get concentrated to open water and it's like you bust some ice up, you get it out of there, and then you put your decoys in. But the problem, they had those, a massive permanent spread that there's uh, just no way of, uh, even if you broke the ice up, it'd refreeze or even if you got it open, all those decoys look like crap because they're sitting in ice and they're not even moving.
2: Yeah, and then that one ice bird took half the spread
0: with it. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I thought it was but, a little bit of payback.
2: <laughs> yeah. so, so I don't know man, it's pushing like 8 8:30 at this point, you know, and uh Arkansas definitely has the snows and specs right now. I mean, it was just from horizon to horizon, man. Anywhere you look in the sky, it was just wads of birds. Um you know, and we're just kind of sitting there I haven't, I haven't fired a shot and the guide's asking us, well, do you want to go to the timber? Why? <laughs> y'all know me. <laughs> you ain't got to tell me it was a good time, buddy. I'll sit in that timber all day long, you know? <laughs> so, uh, me and the guide were kind of talking and convincing, you yeah, know, let's go sit in the timber. So, that took about another, I would say, half hour to 40 minutes to get back there. Yeah. And then, so we get back there, it's all open water, you know, because that flooded water that gets up in the trees is, uh, the flow of the river. So you have current and it's not strong current, like on the Platte river, Missouri river, or anything like that. I mean, it can be, if it's really deep, but you know, it's like knee deep water in there. So there's a little bit of a current enough to keep that water from freezing up. And we get in there and we get in that big blind in the tree and, uh, <laughs> I'm loving it. it I mean, it's like, Oh, I'm back home now. You know, we're about, we're about to wreck the mallard ducks. And, uh, so yeah, so we see a couple of ducks flying and he's not really calling that much at them. You know, there was like, Oh, Hey, there's, there's birds to the right. You want to call at them, And, oh, well, these birds, you know, and I'll kind of let Hunter tell you a little bit about that. But, uh, <laughs> w- what I thought was funny was, so I grabbed I, and I left my calls at home, but Dane had a call. So I grabbed his call and I start chattering, you know, just. Feed thoughts, you know and quack quack you know but then about that time that guy just goes off and he's like you know man at hunter I, I may butcher it hunter i'll tell you he's like but you know man i'll tell you what you guys you know y'all come down here and you know i'm not gonna walk in uh-oh uh-oh jerry well, so i will, go. Go I will definitely vacuum your carpet you know yeah
0: well okay so you you cut out there for a minute so the the guide was like Oh yeah, you come down here and you would I walk into your house and vacuum the carpet? And I'm sitting there to, thinking to myself like, dude, I don't care who it is, but they need to vacuum your carpet stat. Like, <laughs> like one right mad? now? Like, yeah, like I don't know why you'd get mad at me about vacuuming a carpet because it don't look like nobody else has. So, <laughs> what the problem is there? So, he had sat there and he like had tried to sit there and, like encourage us to wear face bait, but like we're up in a blind that's probably 9 or 10 feet tall in the trees. And, like, I will hand it to him. His permanent blinds, like, are immaculate in terms of, like, their hide. Yeah. Like, he's done a great job. The problem is, is it's all about location. And so these blinds are immaculate. That's great. But if you're not in the right location, it doesn't really matter anyway. But, like, so we're sitting up there. He, get, he gets mad about that. He gets mad about the face paint. And then... What else? He got mad because I was wearing a glove and I was calling.
2: Like, yeah, and then he was picking on us about our $1,000 waiters. And, and I was like, bro, these are the Blue Bill specials from Shields for 250 you know?
0: So after this point, he decides that he wants to go on this pity party rant about how bad Arkansas is hunting and how bad that, you know, how these hunters go to Canada every year and just smoke birds and. Then he goes on about he he can he knows how to kill mallards, you know. Even though these ha- mallards are hard to kill, he knows how to kill them because he's guided forever, and that you know he's killed thousands of birds of Canada. And I'm like, huh? Like you you just got mad at everybody else for going to Canada, but you just said you went up and guided in Canada. You did the exact yep. same thing that you're pissed off about. Well, I, yep. I I just don't get it, man.
2: Yeah, and then he started talking about Tim uh, Tim Grounds and what happened to him. So. Uh, A little back history, on me, just so you kind of understand who Tim Grounds is and and all that. So I grew up in uh, hunting and fishing sporting shows at the Agri Center in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, And so my dad did taxidermy, and he had a booth there at the Agri Center every single year. And uh, the guy that had the booth right next to us was Eli Haydale. So, you'll probably know that name, Eli and Rod Haydale. Now, Mr. Eli passed away a few years ago, but Rod's running it, his son. And uh, the guy directly across from us, just across the aisle, was Buck Gardner. And so, and, and then the guy two, two, uh, two down from us was Phil Robertson. And then Tim Grounds was on the other aisle. So, you have all these, like... Everybody has pretty much created the waterfowl industry in the South and even in the Midwest with Tim being there. Everybody was in that one building. Well, that started when I was 10 years old and I went on my first duck hunt at nine. So I'm hooked, you know. And so I grew up with these guys, you know. I mean, I, I, I knew Buck personally, uh, Mr. Eli personally. Um, There's a couple other guys, John Baca, a um, few others, but. So I knew these guys personally got to be real good friends with a lot of them. And those were the guys that taught me how to uh, use a duck call, use a goose call, um, but custom tuned a single read competition call for me. Cause he wanted me to get into competitions and I competed in those. I won um, quite a few in the, in the youth category. And then um, I won the Agricenter center show three years straight and From then, uh, you know, I graduated out of the youth and then started competing with adults. And what was kind of terrifying to me is, like, you know, I'm I'm just Jared. Like, I'm having to compete against Buck Gardner. I'm having to compete against Buck Sun. I'm having to compete against Rod Adel. Like, all these guys, you know, and it was just intimidating. And I never did very well competing against them. I think the best I ever did was, like, fifth. But, uh, so, Tim – He passed away. A lot of people that's in the waterfowl industry have heard of Tim Grounds well and the accident that happened to him. Um and that's what this guy was talking about. So he had got after he started in on, you know, people going to Canada and just slaughtering birds and which is a trip that I would love to do, just experience it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so then he goes from he guided up there to now well, I got it in Minnesota and I got it in Illinois and, you know, I know Tim grounds and hunter grounds and all this stuff. And, you know, he starts just instead of like basically chewing us for nothing, then he goes into the sob story of all that, you know, and we just kind of sat there and listened to that for a while. But, uh, long story short, after all that happened, we, we only fired one shot that morning in the timber. We shot the one green head, Uh, It was a five pack and they just kept rimming those trees and rimming those trees. And finally one dropped in the hole. and We got him, but that was it for the morning duck hunt, man. I'm talking about a fiasco.
0: A disaster. Yeah, complete. So that, that was the morning hunt. So we all get out and like go to subway or just sitting there thinking to like, just talking about all this disaster. And I'm like, what? I like I honestly I was when I was a subway I was already starting to check into different outfitters just to see what people had available and like early January in Arkansas and I don't know that much about Arkansas
2: but from everything that I saw
0: like it's booked because normally it is money
2: like money sauce. Yep Yep. and that's why I wanted us to go down when we went Um, so the majority of the time. So I went in the military at 22. So from 17 to 21, I pretty much guided in Arkansas, uh, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Louisiana. There's a little line there, you know, right at those three States. And I guided in all three of them. Well, I know personally that your first week in January, you're usually smoking green heads in the timber. Usually. So, That's why I picked that week for us to go down there. But once again, I didn't know it was going to be with these guys, you know, and they did cut us a really good rate. Now, however, the experience, I wouldn't go down there for free, you know, but (laughs) um, I mean, it was just a poop show, no matter how you looked at it in every kind of way. But that evening we actually went to the blind where we started at that morning um while we were out of subway they went out there and fixed the decoys and stuff and you know about that time it warmed up to like 46 48 and the water opened up and then we sat in there till you know shooting time and i think we shot what five
0: uh, a couple specs and i think three mallards
2: yeah it was pretty,
0: and it was pretty fun funny though so we we knocked down this hen mallard And I tell you what, there's probably 10 dudes or like 10 shots at that one bird. Oh, no. So then it was funny. I just got down off the blind because I could see she was heading for the bank. And I'm like, yeah, screw this. I walked down to the bank and just blasted her (laughs) like a good 15 yards. Now,
2: there was. Oh, yeah. That duck was wearing (laughs)
0: caviar. Like everybody was shooting. (laughs) There was shot patterns around her. Like almost every. (laughs) It was the funniest. Oh, She took half a (laughs) pox. And the other funny part was, so he had wounded another one. They had to go get a go get the boat and go out there, and Dane went with him. So <laughs> <laughs> I give Dane a lot of crap, it just as a general about him missing birds or like calling birds. It's his like just just because it gets under his skin. I think it's funny, but <laughs> this was hilarious because he got out there on the boat at like twenty yards, 15, 10. He shot three times. Oh no. Shot three times and missed all three times. And finally on the fourth shot at about five yards. Just it just that's what you call Arkansas because goodness gracious, I don't know how you could have got any closer. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and he was, whoa. so the guy was driving the boat out to get this cripple, and Dame was up in the front, and I'm like, all right, man, you might want to start shooting at that duck. It's about to get up, you know, and they're going, and they're going, and they're going, and I'm like, shoot the duck already. <laughs> and then, whoa, and the duck. I mean, he didn't miss it. He missed it. Yeah, I'm talking about four foot to the left. Oh, no. Yeah.
0: I don't know if it was the choke or if he needed to reshim it. I don't, I guess I never, I, he was talking about, uh, going and shooting some paper, but I don't think he ever did.
2: I don't think he did. Uh. Yeah, I would. But that kind of wrapped up the that kind of wrapped up that first day, man. And you know, I, I we got back to the hotel. I immediately called Uncle David. So we have a duck farm down in uh, Marks, Mississippi, um, just outside of Batesville. And I called him, and I was like, "Look, we'll just... I mean, I hate to do it because I'll we'll have to buy an out-of-state Mississippi license, but..." I would just much rather us just go stay at the house down at uncle David's and shoot wood ducks and spoonies at this point. So I called uncle David up because I I just realized like who we're messing with and what we're doing like this, (laughs) this ain't going to pan out. Like these dudes do no work in scouting, you know, and I mean, they got a good property and it's in a good place, but when the bird, I mean, you know, you gotta understand these guys are shooting these birds every single day. You know, they did not not hunt for two weeks to let these birds get comfy in here because they knew we were coming down. I mean, they were in these blind shooting the day before we got there. So, you know, and any guy that, like I said, cares about supplying their client with an experience, they're going to put the legwork in to get you on birds, whether it's a field they rent two, three miles down the road, or whether it's the timber 200 yards behind the clubhouse, it doesn't matter. Like they're going to put the legwork in because they want you to get birds, you know, This guy could have cared less. So on the phone with uncle David, um, and he told me, he's like, you know, Jared, he's like, you and your buddies are more than welcome to come down here. He's like, but we've shot nine ducks the entire year. he said, the flyway shifted. He's like, I don't even know if you'd shoot a wood duck right now. There's nothing out there. And I was like, well, there you go, man. So, you know, my plan B kind of blew up on me and, I was like, well, crap. So I called Mike, the guy that I used to guide with, and he was booked solid. And he told me, he was like, I could refer you to the other club that I got at in Stuttgart. You you have to switch hotels and everything. He said, but they're about 600 a day. And he said, honestly, they're booked up right now. And he was like, man, I'm sorry. You know, so I was like, What that gum? So I kind of talked to Hunter and Dane and uh, Sergeant Taylor and Keith and I was like well let's give these guys another shot you know day two <laughs> so we get up bright eyed bushy tailed all excited for day two now you gotta understand the first day we wasn't even there at shooting time so we missed birds right we we didn't even get the opportunity to hunt them so day two hits so we're gonna go to the timber So I'm just tickled like a schoolgirl at this point because I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be sweet. We're going to smoke tree rockets coming through right at light. We're going to bust mallards in the face. This is going to be awesome. Well, so we get down there, met at the boat ramp, get the boat in, everybody piles in. We start taking off down this channel. And uh, basically what it is, it's a drainage ditch on the edge of like the field right where the woods is at. And it gets you out to the main river channel. So just so you have that image in your head. So we're putting down through there. We finally hit the river. Well, the day before, when that guy took us out, we took a left. Well, this guy hung a right. So this is the separate, the other guy this time. So we start going down the right. Me and Hunter are kind of looking at each other like, (laughs) were we supposed to take a left? And the guy was like, he was said he was going to take us to this secret hole and we were just going to wear him out. So we're like, well, yeah, you know, whatever. You benefit of the doubt. He's the guide. So we take this 10, 15-minute boat ride back here. He realizes he's lost. You've got to be kidding me. And there's Mallard flying over, wood ducks ripping through there. And I'm like, dude, can I just load my gun and we just shoot him from the boat? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he was like, no, no, I know where I'm at now. He pulled his phone out, got his GPS going. He should have took a left. And it was like, Hunter caught that. And we were, this is our first time ever at this property, man, you know. So me and Hunter are kind of on the, like, same page of, like, you know what? You just drop us off out here and we'll guide ourselves. You know, we're, we're going to go unguided. You know what I'm saying? Um. So we finally get back there and get set up, and once again, it's what seven forty-five by this point, Hunter.
0: Oh, that's that's being nice. I'm guessing more towards eight o'clock.
2: Yeah, when I mean, it was
0: set down like actually hunting.
2: Yeah, it was. I and mean, once again, we missed all the birds right at light. So we get set up, and I think we sat there in the timber till about eleven o'clock. Never fired a shot. And you know, so we're we're kind of beat up at this point. We're like, man, you know. And the guy was like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Well, if you had a scouted, you would have understood, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So we get back uh, to the boat ramp. We go into town, and I think we went and get some pizza or something, or some chicken, and uh, get a game plan. Go back out there that evening. We go sit in a different blind. Once again, never even fired a shot that evening. So day two didn't fire a shot. Well,
0: you gotta, you gotta. So we're sitting here in the blind, in that that uh, permanent blind, and you got you got to tell the story about old Sarge telling us about. So we split up in groups. Jared and <laughs> I went to the timber. Sarge, Keith, yeah. and Dane went to the permanent blind with the old guide that morning. So. Jared, I'll let you take this one off. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, yeah. So, the, you know, I, and I told Sergeant Taylor, I was like, man, I was, you know, with the timber being, and he didn't really want to get in the timber because he's never been in waiters before. Like this was his first duck hunting experience ever in his life. Oh. And when he was stationed here in, in Bellevue in Nebraska with me, I was assistant flight chief. He was flight chief. You know, I tried getting him to go out with me, but he was like, man, it's too cold. It's too cold. You know, I'm like, oh, you you pansy. Let's go, man. You know, he's no. Well, so he, you know, he lives down in Arkansas now. And, um, you know, we finally got him, you know, I I talked to him over the summer. He's all pumped and excited because he sees all the photos I post and he knows like we wreck birds. Like he knows Jared Hunter. They like those guys, that group of guys. They, they scout, they put their legwork in, they let fields rest and they beat birds up. That's what they do. And so he's just, he has all these high expectations, you know? And after day one, he's looking at me like, I'm an idiot. And I'm like, dude, I I swear to you, this is not how this works, you know? (laughs) So yeah, the second day that evening, uh, it was me, Hunter, and I think it was Sergeant Taylor, right? Yep.
0: Yep.
2: Yep. So we're sitting in that, the other permanent blind away from the other guys. And he just, we just start talking. He was like, you ain't going to believe this. I was like, what, what is there not to believe after this trip? You know? (laughs) And he was like, well, we're all sitting in there, you know, and talking and stuff. And about that time I start smelling something and I look over and this dude lit up a joint in the dub line. (laughs) And I looked at him, I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? He's like, no, now you would have to understand about Sergeant Taylor, you know, he teaches security and I'm not going to say where and anything, but he teaches security and he has a top secret clearance. Now if any of our listeners out here, understand what a top secret clearance is. You don't mess around with that, you know, and this guy, I mean, I'm not going to down anybody or pick on anybody. If you want to go do that, you go do that, but you do that. Not with paying customers. There's a time and a place for stuff. You know what I'm saying? I don't do that. I just choose not to. Um, I have a lot of examples. I'm not even going to go down all that. Um, but you don't do that in front of paying customers because you don't know one, who they are, or two, how that could affect it. Number three, that could impair you, not only for operating the boat, but you got a firearm in your hand. You know what I'm saying? It's just not safe and it's not a good thing to do. And Sergeant Taylor was so upset about that, you know, and then I got to to him and I was like, man, I'll, I'll look, I'll get in my savings and I'll pay you back. And he was like, no, man, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I just think it's kind of crappy, you know.
0: Well, that's, that's when we started talking about coming to Teal Hunt with us in Nebraska. and I think we got him talked into it because, like, if there, if there'd be like a perfect scenario for a new hunter, for, especially for him being warm, like, that would, I, he's going to come up. We're going to kill some birds. That's what sure. I do
3: with people who are interested in duck hunting get them on a
2: teal hunt. Oh yeah.
0: Nebraska early season. Well, and,
2: <laughs> yeah. I told Sergeant Taylor, uh, two days ago and he's all fired up he told me, you just let me know when and I'll be here. So, and I told him, I was like, I got a spare bedroom. I've got the shop fixed up. It's got a heat in there and air in there now. So, I mean, you know, worst case scenario. If you want to stay in the house, you stay in the shop, you know? So, but, yeah, he was just upset about that. And I told him, I'm like, man, it's a good thing I wasn't in the blind when that happened. I said, I would have got everybody and we would have left right then and there, you know. But, uh, so that was kind of wrapping up day two. Oh, and I got a it, little
0: more to add to day two. Okay. So, we get done with this hunt. We get back in the evening. Of course, at this point, like, all the, everybody's just kind of irritated. So, we go get pizza and get a lot of beer. And then we go get crown. Amen, <laughs> brother. So, we're sitting there bullshitting. And... We go to find out that he gets in the blind, and I guess, you know, at this point, that guide had been grumpy, like, the last Mm -hmm. day and a half or whatever. Apparently, he was in a good talkative mood, then. We'll go to find out he told the guys that he was stoned. Not only did he smoke weed in the morning, but he went and got stoned over the lunchtime and was stoned in the blind. Like, oh, goodness. (laughs) Yikes. Nightmare. But, all right, getting into day three.
2: Yeah. So I had a conversation. I, I, I didn't even like, after Sergeant Taylor told me about what happened in day, the morning of day two, I was so pissed off at the guy who was running that thing. I wouldn't even talk to him no more. I, I, I to tell you, I was just kind of done with him. Yeah. I was over it. And uh, so I was talking to the assistant guide and I was just talking to him the whole time. And I was like, look, man, we want to get out there before shooting time look, we'll sit in the water for half an hour. I mean, we're used to that, you know, in the Midwest, especially hunting public ground. And you guys, that's listening to this hunting public ground, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, there's times you're used to out there for two or three hours before shooting time to get your spot, you know? And I told him, I was like, man, it's nothing for us to get out here. And well, so he had an issue. And his issue was he had to go drop his wife off at the airport at like four o'clock in the morning. Well, from where we were to the location he had to go to drop her off was about an hour. And we were supposed to get like nasty weather day three. So we're talking sleet, uh, rain turn into sleet, turn into snow, 18 degree temperatures, like ducky, just ducky. Right. And I told him, I'm like, well, if you got to do that, you're not even going to be at the boat ramp by, and I'm like, man, look, I really, really want to be in the woods before shooting time, you know? Well, the old guide was going to go right past the spot we were going to be sitting. And I talked to him know, I was like, look, man, could you just drop us off? No, y'all need to take a second boat. And I told him again, well, I understand you want to take that second boat. And I try to explain to him, I said, if you just drop us off, I promise you we'll be fine. Okay. We got snacks. We got drinks. We've got three jackets on. We're bundled up. We got our waiters, We got our gun our ammo. We got calls. We got everything we need. If you just drop us off, then when the guy gets back, he can hop in the boat and just come out there and meet us. That easy. No, you need to take another boat. Now I'm tired of telling you about this. All right, well, Keith, you know, he's a river rat. So, Keith, he grew up on the Missouri River, okay? He knows how to operate an outboard. Well, so you got two different types of boats, guys. You got a flat-bottom boat, and you got a V-bottom boat. And the difference in a flat-bottom boat and a V-bottom boat is a flat-bottom boat turns like an 18-wheeler. You know, you guys that operate boats that are flatbed, you understand what I'm talking about. A V-bottom is really squirrely and can turn on dime, Keith hadn't really operated a V bottom that much. He grew up operating flat bottoms his whole life. So let's just keep that in the back of our mind real quick. So Keith agrees to take the boat. And I'm not I'm not liking it because this is a paid trip. The guide's supposed to be there and I understand family issues and it's like I told him. I said your family comes before a duck any day of the week. I get that. But the main guidance was being a butthead, not just wanting to do what we were asked him to do, which was nothing out of his way. So we get in the boat, me, Hunter and Keith, and we start trucking back there and we're taking our time because you know, this is the first time we've, this is our, actually our second time going through these woods, but first time operating a boat in the dark and, you know, icy conditions and everything. So we finally get back there to our spot. And, um, there was a secondary spot, um, a buck brush area where we had noticed the past two days birds were hitting that. I mean, just constantly at clockwork. They're hitting it. They're hitting it. And it's like, I was telling Hunter and uh, Keith and I was like, guys, if we sit in this big open hole in this real tall green timber, man, I'm telling you, we're going to kill birds right at light. I'm not joking. So we put this spread out, hid the boat, got over there, got behind some big tall trees. And these are probably what, 40, 50 tall trees.
0: Oh, at least, yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is is Arkansas green timber at its finest. This is big, tall timber. And um, as soon as light starts coming, man, ducks flying around everywhere. Well, we start ripping into them tree rockets. We're knocking wood ducks down. Boom, there goes a wood duck. Boom, there goes a wood duck. We're just loving it. We're like, heck yeah, man. Well, about that time, the mallards start flying, hitting that buck brush, hitting that buck brush, and I'm like, man, we need to go over there. I'm like, but if we go set up over there, they're going to start working this hole. So I told Hunter, I'm like, look, why don't you and Keith take the mojo, take half of the decoys, go sit over in that buck brush and we'll just bounce birds, you know, cause it works in the basin all the time. And I can tell you from past history, it works in the timber. So they head over to do that. They hadn't been gone 15 minutes. My phone rings. So I answered it. It's the second guide. So I talked to him. He was like, Hey man, can y'all come pick me up? I don't have a way to get back there to where you're at. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me right now. So I called Hunter. I didn't even want to tell Keith because I knew it'd piss him off. And I was just like, Hunter, can, can you tell Keith to go pick the guide up? <laughs> <laughs> and Hunter's like, are you, are you kidding me right now? This is like prom duck hunt time. And I'm like, dude, I get it.
0: It was was hard because when we got in there, we busted a few out, like six or seven ducks out of the hole where we were hunting at, and there was ducks up and working at this point, and so it's like prime time, and so at this point, like, we've already had a frustrating trip, like, we feel like we got to guide ourselves, and then, not to only just do that, but now we got to pick up the guide to bring him to hunt, like, to hunt with us, basically. It's like, yeah. well, we don't need you Just stay, stay away.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Go, so Keith gets all pissed off, you know, cause what Hunter told me was Keith had just hid the boat and was walking over to the tree to start hunting with Hunter yep. and Hunter turned around and told him that. So he's pissed off. He's like, you got me be freaking kidding me. So he gets the boat back out of the brush, already hid, hops in the boat Well, he takes off. He's ticked off, man. He comes by me flying. I mean, I was like, holy cow, dude, you know, it was kind of white capping from the waves and the decoys when he went by me. And so he's flying down the main channel of the river. Well, as he turns, once again, guys, this is a the bottom boat, not a flat bottom boat. As he turns to make that shoot, to go up the edge of the field, to go pick the guide up, that boat got squirrely on him because of how fast he was going and he hit a log, and it sent him straight up into the bank. Well, when the front of the boat went up the bank, the whole back of the boat, the outboard, everything goes straight under the water. And this boat's going down. Hence At the beginning of this, when I asked Hunter how his camera was, Hunter's camera was in the boat. So Keith has to now pull this boat out of the water, dump it, and get all the gear. His gun fell in. He had to, like, reach out in the water, find his gun. He's soaking wet. We're talking, you know, 20-degree. We got about a 10, 15-mile-an-hour wind. Like, it's cold. And for the listeners here in the Midwest that's never hunted in the south, even though it's, like, 20 degrees down there and up here, we're kind of used to that, you know? It's a different type of cold down there. You're talking 95 to 100% humidity. Like, once you get cold, you get cold. It's not like up here. It's a different cold. But uh, finally, he gets everything back in the boat. The boat's still got water in it, and he's having to idle the boat back to get the guide. So then it's been like 20 minutes, and I'm like, I I quit here in a boat, you know? And I'm like, well, what's going on, you know? He's missing all this shooting. So I call the guide. And God answers. He's like, Hey man, there was an accident. Keith flipped the boat. He was like, he's okay. Nobody's hurt. There's some gears wet. There's a camera wet. And I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me right now. And all this, this whole trip. And now this on top of it, like you have got to be kidding me right now. And that was the first thing I told him. I was like, get Keith up there and get him in front of a heater. Cause man, he was soaked. Like his waders soaked all of his clothes. He was wearing soaked to the bone. So, they get him back to the lodge and get him stripped down and they had extra clothes there that he could throw on. And he was so pissed, man. He called me and he was like, Jared, he's like, I love you, dude. But don't you ever invite me to something like this
4: again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I felt horrible because, you know, if I had known, you know, I took a recommendation from someone and, uh, Long story short, you know, I I called dad and told him what was happening and he got so pissed off and he immediately called that guy and got into it with him. And he was like, why would you ever send these guys? And last I heard about it, the gentleman that we're talking about that's really well-known lit them up. Um, I don't know what's going to come of it, but we told him about, you know, dad told him about him lighting up, you know, marijuana right in the blind in front of paying customers and the conditions and that guy was heated and he was like i would have never told y'all to go somewhere like that so there was just a lack of communication there that happened to that whole trip but it's like i told hunter i'm like next time dude we're just gonna go to the top named guys we'll save our money up stay at a million dollar lodge and go shoot greenheads in the timber all day long you know,
0: Coca-Cola woods, baby. Yeah.
2: You know, the Coca-Cola woods. But, uh, yeah. So Keith's like, no, I'm done, dude. I'm not hunting no more. Y'all just have, you know, have fun. And I'm like, dig it, man. Okay. So, so then here comes the guide. He comes back <laughs> and we're sitting there. I'm like, what the heck, man? You know? And he's like, well, he flipped the boat. And I'm like, yeah, but that, he should have never been in that position to do that. You know, like this, this should have never happened. So, he comes over there, he picks me up, because he wants us all sit together. So, we go to the buck brush, and you can take over from there, Hunter.
0: All right. So, I, at this point, I, I think I got a text from you that Keith flipped the bone. I called Keith, because I, if, I, I don't know if you've ever been in this scenario, but I've, I've been in scenarios where people have gotten wet, and like, those are some serious, like, safety issues, just mm-hmm. because... Man, fifteen degree weather, you getting wet? Like hypothermia can set in, and nothing flat. And so I was, I was really concerned about him, you know. Um, so I called him, and the first thing he wants to say is like, you know, I'm so sorry about your camera. So like, dude, I, like, no, I need to know you're okay. Like, are you doing mm-hmm. okay? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm over the heater. Like, I'm getting heated up. I'm like, That's that's what really matters in the scenario. And like, yeah. Okay, like, Keith, uh, you're probably going to listen to this because you're an avid li- listener, and I appreciate you for that. Just know that I don't, like, you. I, whatever you believe, like, I don't. You're This is not your fault. The, the camera thing is not your fault. You shouldn't have been in this scenario. No. So Jared and this other guy roll up on us, and they both have this grim look on their face. And like, I, don't, I already know, you know. Like, they start saying, I was like, dude, I already know. And so backtrack a little bit. After I got done with Keith, I'm sitting there, and I'm just fuming. I'm mm-hmm. not fuming about Keith. I'm just fuming about the situation and the whole week mm-hmm. and just everything that was going on. It finally just, like, hit me. And to the point, like, I was on the phone with Shay, like, telling her what was going on. And, like, she she handled it really well. So, if, honey, you're listening to this later on, like, really appreciate the way you handled it. My wife is a freaking <laughs> rock star. Um, we love you, Shay. Yeah. So... We got these birds working between Jared and I and they're two gadball that kind of played on both sides, and like I was so irritated about this whole situation that like they were thirty yards up, and like there was some buck brush in the way, but I used all three shells and I didn't hit anything <laughs> and like Jeremy and Jared will tell you, i'm not quite a, I'm not quite a sniper, but you get something at thirty it's probably gonna die
3: I mean oh yeah. I do have video of you missing a teal three times. That never happened. <laughs> That's somebody
0: else. That's a lie. It's actually a ring neck. Actually,
3: whatever but, it was.
0: It's different. I'm. am It was a ring neck. I meant to. I meant to miss. It's not my fault. <laughs> okay. But like they pulled up on us, so we hunted for a little bit, and I'm. I'm just kind of quiet because I. When Jared walked up, I was like, dude, I am livid. I am pissed. I was like, I'm gonna let this go for this hunt to try to enjoy what left of my experience yeah. I have. But, like, I'm pissed. And so we just sit there kind of awkwardly because <laughs> he knew it was a, I was pissed. And just kind of, like, relax and nothing. Like, nothing flew, nothing. I'm like, okay, yep, this makes sense. So we go to pick Once up. again, didn't fire a shot that day. Yeah. <laughs> go to pick up, grab all the decoys, like, starting to throw them in and stuff. And, like, I go to put my reach over and put my gun in the boat and there's this part where the edge of the tree is, and I just slip and fall in the freaking water.
3: Oh, you didn't tell me about was, that.
2: Of all I, the I'm crap. Talking about, I'm talking about a full baptism. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, full baptism.
3: You got that black water baptism? Yeah,
0: for real. <laughs> like, to end my freaking week and my experience, I get freaking wet, and we had to boat ride it back to the dock, and I'm like, I, I wasn't too bad to be, like, in terms of being cold yet, but, like, I was like, this is just what it, and the guide was talking about maybe like doing a snow goose hunt in the evening and at that point we're just like, ah, f this. we're done. so
2: we we did not even hunt the evening on the third day, yeah. like we paid for it and everything, and we were so just over everything like I was worried about Keith getting hyperthermia because I've had hyperthermia before, and I've actually had frostbite. so I was stationed up in Montana um, Doing security up there for the Air Force, and of course, you know me being nuts about ducks. Who in the right mind goes out and hunts Missouri River when it's negative twenty degrees outside? Oh, this guy does, <laughs> and by myself, like you know. Well, up there, the Missouri River is even narrower than the Platte. I mean, you can shoot all the way across it, and you know there's walleye, northern pike in it, and catfish, but it has a rock bottom. It's all rocky up there because I'm mean, up in North. I mean, you're right by the Canadian border pretty much. And, uh, it was a little hot water slough. I had, sh- I had shot five ducks. I was on my lap. Well, actually I shot six because you're living up there. Seven ducks. Um, whereas here at six and I was trying to get my last duck, finally got my last duck. And it was so cold that there was like a little waterfall, like a little rock ledge where the water just stayed moving. I didn't know like coming from Arkansas and Mississippi, like we you don't get that cold, you know, you never. I didn't know it was so cold to freeze the river from the bottom. I had no idea. Well there was ice in the bottom of that river. And when I stepped off that bank into that, it was just like that one foot goes out and then your the other foot goes out and I mean you go down. And I immediately I knew I was in trouble because my whole hand was soaked, you know. So I immediately just shoved it down in my waders. Grabbed my birds, grabbed my mojo, and I only had a dozen decoys, and then ran up the bank to get to the truck. And by the time it took me, I don't know, probably 20 minutes to go 300 yards, my fingers were a size of half dollars, and they were yellow. And I was freaking out. And I didn't feel them. Like, they burned at first, and then I didn't fill them anymore. I couldn't even get the key in my truck to unlock it. And luckily, somebody coming by I saw I was struggling and – unlock my truck for me and I drove straight to the ER, but so I mean, I know how hyperthermia and frostbite works. And I was just so worried about Keith. Like I didn't care that he flipped the boat. I could care less. I didn't care that like we had stuff get wet at the time. My immediate first reaction was when I told that guy house Keith, because every time you hear of a boating accident, there's never really much positive to it, you know? And just the way that whole trip was going, I was like, dude, I mean, something happens when my buddies down here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to come unglued, you know. But, yeah, luckily Keith was okay. He's a trooper. And we didn't even hunt the third day. We wound up going to the big uh, pyramid, the Bass Pro shop at the pyramid in Memphis. Uh, we went over there, and uh, Uncle David came up, met us, and uh, Hunter got to meet him. And, uh, you know, we just talked about family and stuff like that. And then uh, we went to... The Seafood Shack in Marion, Arkansas. Highly, highly recommend the Seafood Shack. If you're going through Memphis, it's like a eight minute detour. Hunter. Eight, ten minute. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Really good food. Really good service. Um, yeah, and that pretty much ended day three. I mean,
0: whoa, whoa, we whoa. Did... We still got some fun to have here. So, we're on... oh, yeah, we're on the way back. We're on the way back, and we're all BS, and of course we got plenty of jokes to be had after this whole disaster <laughs> trip. Oh, so yeah. We're jibber-jabbering talking about everything, and I look over to my left, because Keith's driving my pickup. Look over to my left, and I see this cop car on the side of the eye, my eye, and I didn't really think too much of it. We pull whip into this gas station, because I want to get gas, because we're going to get going in the morning, and look over, look in the rearview mirror, and here's cop lights pull right up behind us. I'm like, Oh my gosh! As if, as if Keith hasn't had the worst day of his life at this point. <laughs> cop car pulls up. We all kind of jump out because we're all going to get drinks and stuff. And he's like, "Hey," we like, "Oh, we are." Like, look, like, because this cop car doesn't look like a cop car. Uh-huh. It's no I mean, man. It's like no, all, it's like all black. It's like a two thousand six Charger with a broken window, like a not a broken out window, but it's all cracked to, to heck. Uh-huh. I'm like yeah. this like is this a joke like guy pops out yep sure enough it's a cop and he's like well dude how fast are you were going are like uh I, I didn't
2: he I don't pops know. out and he was like officer let me tell you about my day <laughs>
0: <laughs> tells him about everything that happened and uh we're just sitting there BS and do I hand the guy the registration and the insurance and stuff he didn't even look at it gave back to me like just BS with him. Said that he was going 15 over the oh speed limit. Yeah, 15 over the speed limit. And this key, at key to this point is like, I've had such a crap day just giving my ticket. Like, let's just get out of here. I'm just tired of this. And so we, I go in, get some stuff, come back out, and we're all just jibber jabbering with this guy. And he's like, All right, well, come back to Arkansas soon. And we're like, We're all looking at each other like, That's never going to happen. <laughs> 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 and we just end up going back to the hotel. Well, at this point we want to lick our wounds, right? Yeah. We get another bottle. We
3: want to drink your wounds. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: we don't, we don't want to remember this. <laughs> we
0: we uh we get another bottle. Of, we got a bottle of crown, a bottle of Jameson, and I think you had your bottle of Jack. So we all yep. start like drinking heavily, like heavily. <laughs> well, at this point like, Keith still had to get his waiters because he had left him there at there, that clubhouse. So the the young guy showed up and we're like, we all got pretty shwaisty. Yeah. Well, Keith and the young guy, well, Keith was just frustrated because he's upset about the camera. He obviously feels guilty, which he shouldn't. Um, everybody's just kind of frustrated that the trip and, like, dude, I, these guys, like, they go outside to get his waiters. And they start, like, play fi- fighting and, like, start actually like, jacking around and, like, start punching each other. I'm like, oh, crap, like, it's going to turn into a fight. And, like, they, they play fighted for a little bit, I guess, like, got kind of heated, and then they just simmered away, and they were okay, which, thank goodness, because I feel like that could have went real, real bad. <laughs> yeah. real cool.
2: And then they went back down for round two about an hour later. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I don't know. We'll see. Only in Arkansas, guys. Only in Arkansas. Only in Arkansas. They sure hugged a lot, though. They did. Because <laughs> like they were uh, they were up in the room and like I don't know, kind of trash talking each other. And Jared and I were just sitting there like, uh, I don't want to get kicked out of the hotel. <laughs> like, talk about the just not add on to the worst day ever. <laughs> like, yeah, let's just not get kicked out of here.
2: Because well, it's funny and like I I'm not going to mention names, but. I was sitting there laughing because so I spent almost eight years in the Air Force, and my last combat tour was in Afghanistan where I got injured. I had my back fractured, and there we had a few skirmishes and things that happened, and um, I had a lot of close calls. But I worked with a lot of different guys over there. You know, like we were with the Tenth Mountain Army Division over there. Uh, We had CIA there. I mean, there was a bunch of different organizations there. And so come to find out, which was kind of funny because when me and that guy were talking in the woods before we went over to meet with Hunter after the accident happened with Keith and he came over and hung out with me for a while, we got talking about it. Well, he was former Blackwater and the funny thing about it was we were sitting there talking and we started mentioning people's names in command. He knew him. I'm like, whatever you're pulling my leg. You're just trying to make up. He's like, no, man, I swear to God, And then he would mention somebody's name and what they look like. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Well, he was, he was at this building at Bagram. Yeah. What? And then I would tell him like where I was living at in the transient tent over here. He was like, dude, I was two tenths away from you. What the heck? So it come to find out, like, it was kind of funny to know, like, holy cow. Like we have, this is a small, small world, man. You know? And then when Keith was ready to go fighting fighting, I was just sitting there like, dude <laughs> I don't know.
0: Oh man. So this was the end of the 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 experience. But on the positive side, I will say on the positive side. I know in the future I would go hunt public a couple of days, just say I did it, and then I would go to the Coca Cola woods for sure, like no doubt about it. Coca Cola oh, yeah. woods or something like that, or, but the other positive side to this whole thing is, is that we stopped at Lambert's in Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> that was highly, good. highly recommend. That was so good, dude. If you ever like, if you ever around, go. It's so good. So, yeah. Oh yeah. That was our experience, Jeremy. What do you think? Uh, well, <laughs> it's a little speechless. All right, <laughs> I've
3: probably talked to you about this hunter two or three times already, and yeah. it just kind of seems like an onion, You're just peeling layers and layers, and new information and new tears, yep. um, coming through. Uh, <laughs> I guess one thing—it's certain that actually it's super interesting. I, I've only met you once, Jared, and you know I hope to hunt with you again, but. I didn't realize sure. that you had such great connections down there, and so for me it made like this whole time, like day one, I literally texted Hunter. I think that the exact text I said was "damage report." Yep, <laughs> and he go, he just texted me. This was like mid afternoon. You guys hadn't gone on your evening hunt, but he's just like one mallard, and I went, "Oh no." <laughs>
4: Oh no! I was like, oh no! I was
3: like, oh my goodness! Oh no, no! no, But like, I didn't know anything that was happening, (laughs) and then, and then I kind of just, I just let it be because I was like, well, I'm not just gonna text him every day and they're having a terrible time or not seeing birds. And then Thursday, you text me and it's like, this has been the worst, like the worst trip of
2: my life. I I, man, Jeremy, I, I felt so bad about it. I told Hunter, I'm like, you plan the next one, bro. I'm, I'm tapping out. <laughs> Dude,
0: I The other part of it was is that it just, it hurt even worse, is that, you know, here at the spot, or one of our sponsors, the other guy's outfitters, Matt, he's been on the podcast. Oh. Dude, I kept seeing his Facebook posts and Facebook posts of just smashing birds. And I'm like, dudes, oh, my gosh. Not only that, we had a, like a, We had weather coming through Nebraska, too, so, like, we could have smashed geese here. And we were. We have been smashing geese.
2: Like, Yeah, I mean, we shot, what, we shot a five-man limit um, one day, like, the week before we left. Actually, we we hunted twice the week before we left, and we shot a a nine-and-a-half-man limit of birds. Yep. Like, just smashing birds. Yeah, and the day that you came out, you know, the geese didn't do what they were supposed to do, which go figure. But yeah. I mean, you know, we had that four pack of mallards, just do it dirty. But yeah, those, those ducks, um, I mean, it made it for me, honestly. Oh, uh, you, you wait, we're, you know, you'll come out on a goose hunt. Hunter will tell you, like, we usually, you know, it's kind of like Hunter, you know, that saying he started this year, don't doubt the scout. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's one of those things, man, to be successful. You know, and it doesn't matter if you're, if you're freelancing in an area you've never hunted before, or if you're a guide, or if you're just avid waterfowler hunting in your own neck of the woods, you've got to scout, you know? Yeah. I mean, that saying, that saying a blind hog finds a nature and every now and then you hunt the same spot without scouting. Eventually you'll probably have a good hunt, but you got to put the legwork in, you know? And that's like, that's what me and Hunter do, Dane does. You know, we're out there, you know, I usually get off work 3, 3.30. Well, usually, you know, this time of year is dark, 5, 5.30. Mm-hmm. So, that gives me time in the evenings to run out here and check all my fields. My problem is, which is a good problem to have, but I've got so many fields in so many different areas that I can't scout them all. You know, but the birds that are around me, um, so there's different groups. That's kind of got to explain the hunter and hunter knows, but like if you watch them enough, even though if they're hunting different feeds, you know, and and you'll have some guys that won't let nobody hunt at all, you know, for whatever reason, I can tell you, it's like I told Hunter, I can tell you what time they're going to get up and I can tell you what direction they're going to fly, but I can't tell you what field they're going to go to. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of times where even some of our hunts, like the one day where I got my band this year at North Dakota bird that hunt. I wasn't expecting us to shoot, but a couple cause my farmer buddy wanted to get his little girl out. Holly, she hadn't been out yet. So, or I think he had took her out but they didn't even see anything. And I'm like, well, I've got a spot we could run traffic on, you know? And for some of the guys that don't know what, tr- what running traffic means is like when you have birds flying over the field, but not going to the field, you just had a big spread up and try to pull them, you know, down. And that's what running traffic is. But we just set up a traffic spot and we didn't even pull all of our decoys out. I'm going to tell you, we only put probably what two bags of two or three bags of silos out and a couple full bodies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say
2: so. And we shot a five man limit that day. I think it was a three man that morning and a two man that evening. Yeah. You know, but I mean, once again, if we hadn't been scouting and we hadn't been scouting, you know, that wouldn't have happened.
0: Well, like, that field last night, now, it didn't necessarily work out the way we wanted it to, but we saw thousands of birds, that's for sure. Yeah,
2: and we killed a few.
0: Yeah. Uh, Some factors would have changed, it would have been a lot different, huh? But another day, another another goose. But the nice part is we didn't, we only blew up into two groups, and really, that was, like, two smaller flocks, so we didn't educate. We we didn't educate hardly anything. No. So we should we we should be fine there. I just wish those lesser's would go away. I, Kansas Kansas take those lesser's because they are paying the butt. Yeah, they are.
2: i do not a fan.
0: I need. I need to what talk to I thought out. about.
2: Go ahead. No, I wasn't say was what I thought about doing just to try to take her hate out on some of those lesser's. Yeah, is try to coordinate with like two or three other people that like they have thirty dozen silos and we have thirty dozen and this guy has thirty dozen and just oh, set wow. such a huge spread, no A frames, no layouts, use those corn blankets that I bought, or you know, brush in real good and just silhouette the crap out of where we're laying. Yeah. And then, you know, have that thick so they're not seeing us, but then have everything else out there attracting them and just put such a huge feed in. That they're forced to drop low to look at
0: it. Yep. Which there's a lot like that. Most of that lesser group like was just out. Of, they'd hang out at like 50, 60 yards. They would just stay out of range. It's yep. like son of a guns. They would just whip around. That's the worst part about it was they they made like three or four circles and they just wouldn't go away. So all the packs of birds that were behind them when they finally did decide to leave, they were all following them. It's like you son of a guns. Yep. That's a hard part, Gotta too. Love those lessers. Those lessers, the way, like, the night before went the opposite direction. So they must have seen our decoys and came our way and then decided they want to go somewhere else. But, like, even the night before that I watched them, they did the exact same thing they did to us. They went over to their field. There was live geese, probably a good two, 300 of them that were on the ground, and they did the exact same thing they did to us last yep. night. So it's not like they were that scared of our blinds. I, I just, I, they're just lessers.
2: Yep. Son of a gun. Well, that's the problem. Like, and, and you even run into that with specs too. Like Hunter will tell you, we'll kill a few specs here and there. Um, usually they're intermixed with honkers, but you'll have that happen. I can't tell you how many times it's happened to me in the past four years where you'll be working a, a flock of honkers. And I mean, they are dumping wind, B-lining straight to you, and you're just like, oh, oh y'all are about to get wrecked. And here come a flock of lessers, or here come a flock of specs out of nowhere, and drop down in front of them and pick back up, and then whoop, there go the honkers. And it's like, you have got to be kidding me right now.
0: Not a fan. Stupid speckle bellies. I just need to learn to speckle belly call. I will say, one thing about that guy that was pretty legit was, man, that guy could blow a speck call. Better than anybody I've ever heard in my life, anything. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Legit. I would love to. I need to learn how to do a spec call. That's probably one of my summer to do lists because I'm not Well, what uh, I would
2: like to do. Oh, go ahead. I, I, I would
0: never be that good, but just enough to, like, you know, get a, <laughs> a, a small group that you and I could work.
2: Yeah. I've called specs in before, but a lot of times, if, like, when you're doing your scouting, if, if you're looking at like the river or the lake or whatever body of water those birds are roosted on. If you look at them, like with binoculars, not too close where you're making them nervous or where they, you know, really pay attention to you. Um, but if you sit back far enough with binoculars and look at them, they'll be sleeping right next to a honker. Like, I mean, they'll be standing all around the honkers. So a lot of times when you got a honker spread out, what's worked for me is, I mean, we've killed them. I've got photos on the, so in my shop, I have one section of the wall. It's just photos from the ceiling to the floor. So, I mean, the proofs and the pudding, but a lot of times I just keep it natural and I just cluck at them. Just, I do the calls that they're hearing around all those honkers. Cause you got to understand those specs, they're, they're not in their neighborhood. You know what I mean? they like, they see all those honkers on that water and they're, they're just going to follow them out to go feed and stuff like that. And that's how we kill them is they get intermixed in with some honkers and you call that honker flock in those two, three specs within there. They're coming and you know, wreck them. But
0: another day in specville.
2: <laughs> yeah. But that guy could blow a spec off. but it's like I said, next year, I don't know if I'll be able to go or not. Um, I was going to talk to y'all about it, give you my contacts and stuff. So if y'all want to go, man, take off and go, do not worry about me, but we're having another baby. So June is about to be 10 months old and two weeks. I'm not, and
0: not doing it. I've, I, just, <laughs> I I just, I, I'm, I'm gun shy. I'm not going
2: to lie. i <laughs> <laughs> I get it, man. It was a horrible experience. And like I said, I'm the one that ultimately feels responsible for that. but. And y'all know me, I would have never, never in a million years took you to something like that, but, um, I'll talk to Mike and I can share Mike's information with you. He's the one that works for that big guide service over by Stuttgart. Yeah. And you know, it's a 3,500 square foot lodge and these dudes scout, like they have three guys that don't even guide hunts. All they do is ride around scout birds. That's all they do. So... You know, and also I was sitting there looking at Facebook. You know that one guy. I mean, granted, that second day we didn't fire a shot. That other guy that was real big in the area, they only shot one duck. You know, but then I was looking since we've been home, they've been steamrolling them. Yeah. You know, not the guys we went with, but the my buddy Mike. They, they I mean, they've just been wrecking them. Yeah. But.
0: Unfortunately, no, I don't. I, I don't plan on going. Maybe if I. If I was going to go anywhere, I'd I'd like to go on, like, a public land hunt in Missouri on one of their conservation areas, but that's not really my... I'm not too worried about doing that. Um,
2: I want to go with Matt out there out west.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. I really want to make... I want to either be able to get out with Matt uh, and say, like, December time frame because he always hunts mallards on the river pretty heavy there in, like, December yeah. time. Um, that or... Uh, I'd like to get out maybe with Levi of the Pole and Feathers podcast. He hunts he hunts warm water sloughs that's just like what I used to hunt. They're uh out west and they're steamroll mallards on that warm water slough, so and then they also hunt some uh divers on the river too, so I don't know. I I just wanna we'll we'll see. We'll we'll get something figured out.
2: You don't wanna go back to Arkansas and mess around?
0: I'd rather not,
2: <laughs>
0: dude. I, Jeremy, we're talking about Methville. Do so. Keith and I went to Walmart, to get some Crown, and we started like counting people that we we thought that were on meth. By the time we got out of there, we counted twelve. No, oh, no, twelve people that we were like pretty sure was on meth.
2: Not a tooth in their head. Oh, like boy.
0: it's that's the other thing too. You want to talk about Backward society There's meth everywhere But you can't buy You can't buy alcohol Like anywhere Really? Walmart, no alcohol Wine and beer Like Yep in you're, town, you're in the Bible Belt Restaurants There was only one restaurant in town That would even do beer They didn't even have alcohol hmm. Yeah They didn't really have bars It's, yep. it's like uh, Blew my mind <laughs> But they have meth by golly, no man. guy in there.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, I think that kind of uh, wraps up. Unless you have any questions for us, Jeremy.
3: I don't really have questions. I think I, I just have comments.
0: Go ahead, buddy.
3: I gotta safely say now. Obviously, I didn't realize how many ties Jared you had down there, but you guys are bigger people than I would be. I mean.
2: Well, and that's the thing, Jeremy, like if I hadn't known, and that's the thing, if I had known, we would have never went there. I had so many other options. Oh, I believe it too. You know, I mean, we could have went to Louisiana. We could have went to Mississippi, uh, Tennessee. uh, Man, I know guys everywhere down there that would have loved to have us, but I just took a recommendation, you know?
3: No, I I don't blame you at all. Actually, hearing the whole situation, I just feel bad because – yeah, you had no idea what you were walking into, but I, yeah, every, like I said, every time I hear the story, there's more information about it. And
2: I, I completely. Well, I did learn something. <laughs> I did learn something. Yeah. Do your research, yeah. gal. Yeah. <laughs> you know
0: what I'm saying? Uh-huh. No. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, maybe next time around, I'll take us on a freaking sweet guiding service or guiding or. New adventure for hunting because uh, eight thousand dollars to replace all my camera gear sure would go a long ways to guide pay for a guide. I'm telling
3: you, I'll just go to South Dakota yep. for a week.
0: Just, eh. go home.
3: <laughs> what we
2: need to do is go to yeah. either Oklahoma or Texas and shoot some cranes. Oh,
0: now you're speaking my language. No, I, I yep. would love to do that with a, like so, especially with Shay because. You know, like we took Shay the other night and like she, she enjoyed it. Like, uh, she shot a goose. Yeah. She shot a goose. She, she had fun. Um, I'd love to go to Texas because even in Texas right now, it's like 60, 70 degrees. So, like, it's yep. ho- ho- hoodie weather for her. And like the, I'd like to go hunt down the Stanfields because they have a nice lodge and like nice setup there. So it's like, it'd be perfect. It'd be, it's like the old Mexico vacation, except I don't shit my pants and <laughs> shit the bed. <laughs> I've, that's the thing. I, I've been on two vacations in the last two or three months and they've all turned out, like, crappy. <laughs> literally. Not, all not, into crap. Not figuratively, like, literally. It's like, goodness <laughs> gracious. Oh, man. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but I don't know. I just... <laughs> sometimes you crap your pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't... You got any more? No, uh, the comments.
3: Oh, I'm sure I did. But maybe not any that I should probably say on the podcast. I'll just say them next time we all hunt together. <laughs> I mean, I was telling Hunter earlier every time I hear about this, like me and my dad have always wanted to go to Arkansas. And actually, Hunter even was like, man, people kept kind of bailing. I almost asked you to go. Thank God you did not. Because if you asked me to go on this trip, not that I would have blamed you or even you, Jared. I wouldn't have blamed anybody because you don't know walking into those situations. But, like, it's kind of even, like, I've been telling my dad about everything that Hunter's been telling me. And we both have been like, man, so we may never go to Arkansas.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, look, I'll tell you, and I'll be the first one to tell you. You know, Arkansas is... You know, if you do any research or, you know, like I'm real big into history. Like I love history, you know, like especially Civil War stuff, uh, Mm -hmm. Roman battles. Like I just, I'm a history guy, Mm -hmm. but if you do history, like on Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, and you look at where it all kind of stems from, you know, you hear Stuttgart's Duck Capital of the world. And Man, I'm going to be honest with you. I, You know, growing up down there, I didn't realize what I had when I was growing up in it. And majority of waterfowlers don't, you know, until they get away from home and realize what they had. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, I would never, ever discourage anybody. I was born in Arkansas. Okay. But I'll never, ever tell anyone not to go to Arkansas, go duck hunting, because I know how it can be. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now, I know a whole bunch of guys that I would here and recommend to you. That this yeah. would never, ever in a million years happen to you, you know. But, yeah, I just, like I said, I take full responsibility for it. It was one of those things, like, once again, you learn something. You know, You, I needed to scout, and I didn't scout. I took a recommendation and ran with it. But yeah. um, I would tell you right now, I would definitely go to Arkansas and go on a green timber hunt.
4: Oh, I'm Because
2: still... you go with the right crew. Y'all, I'm telling you, man, you go with the right guys, you're going to be every single year, I'm going back to Arkansas. I'm going back to Arkansas, you know, every year. Yeah. But, and, and like I said, I just feel bad for Hunter getting his first dose of it and it being the conditions it was in. Like, man, I'd do anything to take that back, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, but, don't get me wrong. The hunting wasn't as good as it was, but it was, like, I don't even know. It, it's, a, it's almost odd to say, but, like, it, you, being in that green timber, you almost get the feeling that you're tied to – this is going to say, sound weird, but, like, you're tied to your ancestors. Because, I, like, I feel like waterfowlers are tied and unified in a way that a lot of people can't even describe even being a waterfowl, let alone being outside of the community. But being able nope. to be, like, tied to your ancestors and know that, you know, like a Tim Grounds that has hunted that timber in that area at some point in his life um, and being able to know – know that and being able to be a part of that situation it really was incredible to be into um you know obviously i wish it would have turned out a little bit different but same time like, yeah we had a lot of a lot of fun a lot of myth jokes so well we'll have
2: meth jokes till the day we die i'll
0: be able to get to tell my kids about that story and it's like yeah
2: well, I and I I'm gonna I'm gonna get you back down there, and if I gotta pay for it myself, I'll do it. But I told you I'm you. gonna get you with the right guys at the right lodge, and you're gonna shoot so many greenheads, you're gonna get sick at your stomach.
0: I don't know about that. I I've pretty strong stomach.
2: <laughs> Love
0: me some greenheads, man.
2: Still, now I'll those. tell you. You know, hunting hunting different areas is awesome because it takes you out of your normal. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's what I was telling Hunter. You know, it it's the same birds, but they act completely different. You know? This is the same mallard ducks that we're hunting here in the basins and we're hunting here on the plat or we're hunting in the cornfields around here. It's the same birds that go down there and man, Jeremy, they act totally different. Hmm. And it's crazy to see, you know, but they do. I mean it's it's weird how you change the geographics and that bird does something totally what he would not do in Nebraska he's doing completely opposite in Arkansas hmm. but another thing is like going out sea duck hunting like we had a ton of fun sea duck hunting and that's cool because you're hunting different birds you have no clue of what they do you know what I mean and like yeah. you're hunting you're hunting an area where you would never hunt like if we were to go out there you'd be like yeah I wouldn't hunt here and it's the honey hole and you're like what yeah, right. it's just cool You know, it's as a waterfowler, I would highly recommend you go to Arkansas do not go to the guys we went with. Um, I would highly recommend like going to either the Northeast or Northwest and going to sea duck hunt, um, go shoot some cranes, uh, Oklahoma, the peanut fields in Oklahoma, man, you talk about cacklers and lessers, you rack them out there. They're dumb. Yep. You know, and that's one that we hadn't got to do yet, like with all the guys. So there's more hunts to come, definitely. But like, we should have just stayed home and shot honkers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign us off this podcast. Um, I appreciate you coming on, spend some time away from the your wife and your baby, and being able to uh, BS with us. Um, Yeah, man. Anytime. Before I get off, guys, if you're planning a trip to Arkansas, you're more than welcome to DM me. Here's the thing is I don't I don't want to create a war or some havoc over this just because we had a bad experience. And I'm gonna be honest, if you want if you want to know who it is, DM me. Because I'm willing to tell you, because if you're planning a trip, I don't want you to have the same experience we had. And I just like bad guys are bad guys and bad business is bad business. So I am willing to tell you who it is. I just don't want to blast them on a social media and all the other crap because it's just there is no point in that. There really isn't. So yeah, but I appreciate you guys listening to our experience, the old <laughs> Arkansas meth house nightmare. Um, looking forward to the next podcast and uh, thanks for listening. All right, guys, thanks for coming to the Bigger and Hunters podcast. We'll see you later.